Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. Today's guest is Karen McMahon. Karen is a certified relocation, relocation, relationship and divorce coach and founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. She started divorce coaching in 2010 in the wake of her own challenging divorce. Karen has since spent the last decade helping thousands of men and women get through the emotional and practical difficulties of relationships, breakups, and divorce. Karen, welcome to Parently. Hi, thanks so much for inviting me on. I think uh, I gave a glimpse into my uh, full-time job there when I was talking about relocation because that's what I do every day. <laughs> so you're not in relocation. You're in the relationship business. That's funny. Uh, anyway, let's start with some background, Karen. Where did you grow up? Where do you live now? Well, fun, funny first question. I just moved back to where I grew up. So I grew up in Rockaway Park, New York, which is uh, surprises most people. It is... Uh, on the Atlantic Ocean. I'm right on the beach and I'm in Queens. And most people do not expect to find miles of open beach within the five boroughs of New York. But we live in this little um, four block wide, couple of miles long, gorgeous little uh, beach community. Oh, that's wonderful. I grew up there and I'm just a ferry ride from the hustle and bustle of Manhattan. Oh, that's awesome. Have you lived elsewhere in your lifetime and you just found yourself back there? Yeah, I, uh, yes, I've uh, mostly lived in New York, although I left about a year and a half ago and went down to Florida uh, to help care for my aging mom who passed away suddenly this past fall. Uh, And yeah, thank you. And so I found myself in Florida saying, well, I thought I'd be here for 10 years. Why am I here? And what it, it occurred to me that it was it was time to literally come home to the place I grew up and and I have two young adult children in their early twenties and they're now they used to be thousands of miles away from me and now we're all within a half hour of each other which is quite lovely. That's great. I'm sure people tell you this, but I can hear I can hear the New York in you. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I am a road tripper. I've traveled the country many times in my car. And uh, I cannot hide where I am from. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You shouldn't want to. It's a good place. Uh, tell me about your your background, your education, experience, career. Kind of what led you to where you're at today and what you're doing? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I, I run through my church. I run a program called Discover, and it's Discover God's Um, purpose for you. And so I have this eclectic background. I was in community organizing. I lobbied in Albany. I was in marketing. I sold real estate, residential real estate. I went back into marketing for a while and, and then I got divorced and I, and then I was in sales and I sold commercial printing for almost 20 years. 
And during that time, I got married and I got divorced and selling commercial printing uh, became like so counter to the transformation that I had gone through that I remember I would sit on my couch and cry and talk to God and say, there's got to be something more important that you brought me here for because selling ink on paper just can't be it. Like this it can't be my purpose. And, uh, and I found a life coach that I kind of mentored with a little bit. And after deciding that there was no way I could make money or have a career in life coaching, I left and then came back, went to school. And, you know, coaching is about helping people through transition from where they are to where they want to be. Divorce is the most devastating transition. Um, my parents divorced when I was a teenager, so I've been through it twice. So after going through the coaching program, I, I was pretty crystal clear that my audience of people were men and women um, and parents navigating divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such an important topic and one that um, is not always warm and fuzzy to, to talk about either. Um, but that's okay. Those are sometimes the, the most important ones to, to put in the forefront, right? Yeah. So let me just dive into some questions that I, I have and want to put forth to you, probably all coming from a place of you know, my experience with divorce, which isn't, I don't have any direct personal uh, experience with divorce yet in, in, in my life. So, you know, all my siblings and parents and, uh, you know, myself included, haven't, haven't really done a, a whole lot in the arena. So congratulations. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, so a lot of my questions stem from that, just to give you some, some background. So if I'm asking something that you think is off base, let me know. But I often hear people staying in relationships and marriages because of the kids. So maybe, you know, they're, tr- they're, they're trying to make it last longer than it should. Maybe they know they're going to get divorced. They just want to wait till their kids graduate high school. Whatever that means, staying in it for the kids. Talk to me about that. Good idea, bad idea, why? You know, the first thing I want to say is uh, we all come to this decision when we're ready. And so for those who've stayed for the children, I would I would um, be reticent to uh, criticize that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, I have friends and clients who, for financial reasons, did stay so that the children could have a good college education. Um Here's what I will say. If you're staying for the kids um, and your children are young and you're staying for the children uh, because the thought and the rule is it's better to have one household than two, the research says that children are more negatively impacted by parental conflict under the same roof than they are by divorce. So, and there's actually a Ted talk. I'm I'm forgetting the woman's name off the top of my head, but she did research a lot of it. And she talked about how it's conflict. Now I deal a lot in high conflict divorce. So if you have a garden variety divorce and you kind of just, yeah, we're, you know, we're realizing that we've grown apart, but, but we can be friendly 
sure. that might be an easier choice to stay for a certain amount of time. If there's a lot of conflict, there's a few things on both of those fronts. There's a few things. One is we learn intimate relationships in our family of origin. So I learned what intimate relationship looked like watching how my mom and dad interacted, how my parents interacted with me and my siblings and how me and my siblings interacted. And out of that, we develop an unconscious, a subconscious blueprint of what love looks like. And there's a reason that people who come from uh, families with, uh, let's say, alcoholism or addiction will go out and find and marry someone who is emotionally unavailable. Mm. Because not the physical manifestation, but the emotional experience is what they look for. They don't know they're looking for it. They're certainly not looking for an alcoholic, but they might find themselves a workaholic or an addict or somebody who, for one reason or another, or someone with a personality disorder who's emotionally unavailable. And so they feel abandoned one more time. And so when we're thinking about staying for the children, I have a client I was just talking to, you know, very little conflict. Um, but they've been like friends living under a roof for 15 years. So what do their children who are now, you know, heading toward young adults, what is their subconscious blueprint of intimate love, sure. no hugging, no kissing, no, all of that is missing. Or if you take my situation, high conflict, yelling, screaming, fighting, that was my children's experience of intimate love. And so we don't want to, we, we don't want to get divorced because we're staying for the children and that's the other side of the coin. And so it's a good thing to do research, find articles, and really determine, and, and if you're not, you know, meet with a therapist, talk to a child specialist, and determine um, what are the, what's the messaging I'm giving my children, and is it worth the college fund? It might be. Mm -hmm. um, is it worth whatever that thing is that I think I'm saving them from? And that will at least uh, inform your listeners better. Sure, sure. So what I'm hearing is it's a lot of personal, a unique custom situation that needs to be taken into account. It's not just ABC equals divorce. It right. all depends on the individual. Okay. So are there, that being said, are there certain, I guess, flags or milestones that uh, someone might hit that should in fact, signal that, hey, this is how you end, this is the time to end your relationship. Like how, how does someone go about determining that timing? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is, this is my um, very humble opinion on it. If you're considering mending or ending your relationship, choose mending. Mm. Choose mending. And it doesn't matter what he or she, what your spouse is doing. When you keep the focus on yourself, what's my part in the conflict? What am I bringing to the table? What are my behaviors, my thought behaviors, my reactivity that is not serving this relationship? And when you do that work, you will be 
refining yourself and you will be healing yourself. If your spouse does nothing and nothing changes, you're further down the path when you decide to end, you've already done some healing and some work. If on the other hand, and, and I've worked with people on mending and it's like, okay, I was so controlling when I bit my tongue, when I let him empty the dishwasher the way he wanted to, or be with the kids the way he wanted to, um, things started changing and we started appreciating each other. And so um, there's, there's, there's huge opportunity to lie to ourselves, right? Because divorce is so scary. I mean, geez, divorce is uh, dismantling your family as you know it. It's, 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 it's splitting your finances. It's splitting your time with your kids. The scariest and most horrendous part for all of us is time with the kids. And so you can talk yourself out of it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Easy peasy. Hire a coach, hire a therapist, start working on yourself right away. Start your work on mending and the path will unfold. Then you will know. And, 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 and the other thing I'll say is I was on the fence for so long. The fence was halfway up my butt. I was like, oh, my God, everybody's <laughs> life is being held in the balance and I can't make a decision. And my therapist said to me, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to know you're working hard and you're going to know. And when you know, you will be clearly on one side of the fence and you will know that you know that you know. And until then, you just won't. So stop beating yourself up. It was the best advice she could have given me. And we all come at it in our own time. That's really interesting advice. And maybe it's very common in your in your field. And maybe it to people listening, it's like, well, duh. But I would have never to me, you know, it would have been let's, let's work on us. Let's fix us. Like what, like concentrating on that us piece. So that's really interesting to hear you talk about. No, 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 no. You, you start with you and then regardless of the outcome, you've already put in that work to get into a better spot. Yeah. I had one woman who called me and I've had this so many times. I need to hire a divorce coach. My spouse wants a divorce. Okay. Do you want a divorce? No, I don't want a divorce. Okay. So then what if we work on mending your marriage? He doesn't want to mend the marriage. Well, part of why he wants a divorce has to be behaviors between the two of you. So what if we just start there and not worry about where it goes, just knows that wherever it's going, it's going to a better place, at least for you and your behavior. And it really does. And it transforms. And then what happens is you work on you, he or she works on themselves. And now you come together, right? Because in my brokenness, how am I supposed to mend a relationship if I haven't yet looked at my controlling ways or my addictive ways or my not saying the truth because I'm afraid I'm going to upset the apple cart or whatever my stuff is? How do I fix the relationship until I first figure out what's my part and begin to make those changes? Absolutely. Yeah. It makes so much sense when you talk about it. I just, yeah. it, it wouldn't have occurred to me. So yeah. I, I think that's a, a good piece of advice. Uh, Karen, you talk about asking over telling mm. in parenting. What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, you know, in our divorcing with our divorcing clients, obviously the kids are in as much upheaval as the parents. Um, and so what I've noticed is, 
as parents, we tend to tell. Now, when our kids are toddlers, it's like, go to your room, clean up the toys. That all makes sense. As as life unfolds and challenges, and, and, and I'm going to speak about this not under the umbrella of divorce, but just in general, because I feel so strongly about it. Yeah. We know so little bit about our children when we just tell. And I'm talking about a child as young as six or seven years old, straight up until however old your children are. I even have so many clients with teenagers or young adults, and they tell and they tell and they tell. And they come to me and they say, I had a great conversation with my kid. The kid didn't say anything. And so when we ask, um, uh, we we do two things. One is we get a better understanding of who our child is. My kids are 23 and 25. Going through the teenage years with a foundation of communication with your kids is just the most comforting and brilliant thing. And in order to have that foundation, we need to ask more than we tell. Um, And so even if your kid comes home with like a bad grade and you start telling them what they should have done and what they have to do as a result, as opposed to how do you feel about that? What do you think happened here? Um, What kind of support do you need? Um, And so on the one hand, we find out more about our kids, but the more brilliant part is I walked around unconscious until I was like in my mid forties and divorce slammed me to the ground. We have an opportunity to raise the consciousness of our children by asking them questions that make them think, well, why do you feel that way? Well, what would you have done differently if you weren't afraid? Well, how can I support you? As opposed to, you need to do A, B, and C. My kids call me now, and my son is especially great. He'll call me and say, this is what's going on. And my first question is, okay, thank you for sharing. What do you need? I don't need anything. I have a thought. Can I share it? No, I don't want your thought. Okay, great. Terrific. Have a great day. And so (laughs) what you do is, and so my kids do come to me for advice and they know when they come to me for advice, the first thing they're going to get is 15 questions. Yep. They're not going to get my advice. They're not going to get my advice until I have mined their mind and heart for all of the wisdom that they have. And what that does is it makes them confident it makes them more secure in their decision-making. It helps them to understand what's actually going on in their head and their heart. And we get to build a great relationship and we get to know and understand our kids at a really deep level. Absolutely. It's requiring them to be a part of the solution, right? And, And ultimately helping them think on their own and and be able to manage those situations as they come up in the future when maybe mom and dad aren't around. Exactly. And, and if I could give so my situations, high conflict, but I'll give an example. My daughter must've been um, five or six, maybe six or seven years old. And so she was at dad's and, uh, and she called me and she wanted to close her door and she didn't want dad to, lay in bed and read her a story. Um, now I could have called dad and talked to him, but our relationship was such that that would be like pouring fuel on the fire. And so I asked her why, and I asked her how she would say it. 
And she was afraid. And what are you afraid of? Daddy's going to get angry at me. What happens when daddy get ang- gets angry at you? He yells. Um, does it hurt? It, it's scary. Um, how could you say it? Uh, uh, what else do you need? Um, and at the end of the day, we talked about what she would say and that she could call me afterwards. And at like six or seven years old, she was problem solving, articulating her resistance. She didn't know she was doing those things, but we did that constantly through their upbringing. And it's, um, it's really left them very confident in their decision-making and wise in assessing where they're at. That's a good one. And that, that's beyond divorce, right? That's just a general good piece of advice. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. There's a listener out there who recently went through a divorce, or maybe it's not recent, or they're thinking about it. It's going to happen. It's you know they've decided that that's that's the path. What is your best advice for raising kids while navigating a divorce? Because yeah. it seems like that would just be all-consuming, very yeah. difficult. You know. Those who have children going through divorce have it harder and better than those who don't. And what I mean by that is if you don't have children, it's actually in some ways easier to just just fall into the pit of anger, frustration, fear, uncertainty, anxiety. You don't have anyone but yourself to take care of. And so we can really, we can all kind of swim in those mucky waters. Sure. When you have children, you have other priorities. And so on the one hand, I would say if you're going through divorce and you have children, uh, if there's one thing that I would strongly encourage, it's like be child-centered. As as heartbroken as you are, as devastated as you are, as uncertain and fearful as you are, 
your primary responsibility is taking care of those kids and you can use it as a plus because I mean, there were times where I was just a hot mess and I'd go downstairs and my daughter would be a hot mess. And then three minutes later, she'd be like, okay, can we play dolls now? And I was like, oh, thank God. Yes, let's play dolls. You know, and so there's this opportunity to refocus our energy on these, these people that we unconditionally love and, and, uh, and every decision you make should be, if, if you're really doing this well, you want it to be a child-centered decision. And so, and I'm talking about, you know, dad wants to, whatever, take the kids away, or mom wants to do something that's out of the ordinary, and it actually doesn't fit into our parenting schedule, but the child would benefit from it. The child deeply wants it. You know, there's many opportunities to put our ego aside and do what's best for our kids. And having been a child of divorce, now this is back in the 1970s, my mom's friends and family would come to town and be like, Karen, just shut up and go to your room and be a good girl. Your mom's having a really hard time. That was my memory of being a kid going through divorce. Like the fact that I was watching my dad pack his bags and leave the parent I preferred to be with. And that like my whole world was turned upside down was never given a moment, a moment. And so it's a, I feel very strongly that of course we're more evolved, right. Uh, This many years later, uh, it's so vitally important that you keep what's best for your child and just suck it up. I mean, really swallow it there. I have bit my tongue until it's bloody to do what's best for my kids um, and not engage in a conflict that isn't really necessary, but my ego, boy, does my ego want to engage in that conflict. That's tough. That takes a lot of control. And a bloody tongue. I'm telling you, it it takes an enormous (laughs) amount of control. And yet you begin to see the gift of it and, and it's, it's well worth it. So that, that applies to both during divorce and then afterwards as well. You take that same approach from a co-parent perspective. Yeah. And, and I'll, the caveat is if you're dealing with a high conflict personality, there are rules, right? So if you're dealing with someone who's just annoying, who might not own their stuff, who you consider a pain in the neck, you know, that's, that's kind of where all our sloppiest version going through a divorce. So that kind of falls into a different category. If you're dealing with a very high conflict situation, it's the one time where, you probably need to have boundaries even around the parenting schedule. So with high conflict, they'll say whatever the parenting schedule is, stick to it. And if you're going to be flexible and give him or her time, know that you're giving it for free and there's no getting it back. Like if you're going to do it, you keep your expectations really low. I'm doing this for the kids. I'm losing 24 hours and that's okay because they have something good going on. I'm not going to hold on to, well, now you have to give it back to me. Like that's where, um, with high conflict, if you're doing it for the kids, it's just a give. Sure. Sure. So Karen, how, how open are you about your own divorce and, and what you went through? 
Yeah, you can ask me anything. Yeah, ask you ask you anything. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, I think most folks don't go into a, a marriage, you know, thinking, hey, this might end in divorce. So talk to me a little bit about what what happened and do you feel like there is there's anything that could have gone differently had you had all of this knowledge yourself or was this the path and this that you this would have been the path regardless just talk to me a little bit about how you personally went through your divorce yeah so i um i left home at 19 and i got married at 34 I was not a kid. I had been around the block. I had had a bunch of relationships. I had had two or three careers. I, I thought I knew what I wanted and I found my Prince Charming and he was charismatic and he owned two homes and he had a lot of friends and, you know, it was passionate and it was terrific. And I just felt like I was the luckiest woman in the world. Mm. Um, my ex-husband has a personality disorder. And what I'll say is for those of us who marry someone with a personality disorder, um, we don't meet a displeasing individual and go, oh my God, this is my guy. (laughs) That's not how it happens. But over the course of time, and certainly um, with with certain disorders, uh, it's particularly difficult when children start coming along because you're, you have less time and energy to focus on your spouse. And normal, healthy-minded people get that. Um, and, and not just people with personality disorders. I think that I would say, from my experience, like alcoholism and addiction, the, the tendencies or the attitudes and behaviors of those people fall into the same category. So I got married at 34. I had my kids at 36 and 38. Um, like really, I was like the oldest parent on the playground. And, um, and by the time my daughter turned two, we had had our first physical altercation. I was a shell of myself. I was miserable. Um, and, um, and things, and I tried from the time she was two to six, I think four years, multiple marriage counselors. We went to a retrovi program. I was hell bent on not getting divorced until I wasn't. Mm. And for me, my therapist had said to me, your pain threshold is so high that if you stay, you will actually be abusing your children. Oh, and that, that hit me, that hit me like such a ton of bricks because here I was staying for the kids, staying, staying, staying for the kids Mm -hmm. and her understanding the, the dis-ease and the unhealthiness that was happening under our roof. She was able to say to me, this is not good for those little people. This is yeah. real. It's not good for you. It's decimating to them. And, uh, and I didn't know about personality disorders. I kept, I kept, it's kind of like when you don't know someone has a personality disorder and their mind is literally wired differently. And so you're having a sane and rational conversation, but that's not what they're hearing. And that's not the interaction that's going on. So I just, 
I just kept saying, if I could just be clear, if I could just articulate my needs or my concerns or whatever better. And she said, you're crystal clear. You can't be any clearer. Hmm. Um, he can't hear you. And that doesn't make him a bad person. Hmm. It makes him a person who's wired in a way that this kind of intimate relationship is not easy for him. Hmm. What was your, so you talked a little bit about being a shell, a shell of yourself. What, what was like that experience, that journey, you know, once you decided to get divorced and, and you're going through that, um, kids aside, what was your own individual journey like? Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm glad you asked that question because, uh, I was very much at fault. Um, I came from an alcoholic father and a rageaholic mother. I married someone who was a little bit of a version of both. And I became my rageaholic mom. I was, I tried to control what I couldn't control. I was codependent. I completely lost my voice. I would say yes when I meant no. There's, I have a, are you a codependent article on my, on my website and there's 25 questions. And I think I answered all 25 of them. Yes. Um, like I was, I was a severe codependent because of the childhood that I grew up in. Sure. And, uh, and so I was quite the mess. And so going into therapy was really not about how do I fix him, which is where I think a lot of people start going into therapy was I looked in the mirror and I saw my mom looking back at me and I hated myself and I don't know how I got here, but I am so lost and I am so scared and I need to be fixed and I can't fix my marriage until I fix me. Sure. Yeah. Gosh, that's, that's deep stuff. I, I feel like I, I hate that you, you went through divorce. I hate that anyone has to go through that, but I feel like that gives you a little bit of you know, leverage in the, in the conversation and being able to really help people through it. I mean, I just don't, I, I, it would be really difficult to do that having not gone through that yourself, I think. Yeah. In fact, um, I have a team of, there's six of us um, on the Journey Beyond Divorce coaching team. Only one of my team members uh, has not been through a divorce. She's actually, I think, celebrate, she just celebrated 40 years of marriage. Oh, wow. And, and yet she's had other struggles in her life that were so aligned. And so I agree with you. I think so often the clients who come to us are in therapy. And the difference is our expertise in both the emotional tsunami of divorce and the practical, like there are a number of different ways of getting divorced. Do you know what legal approach you want? Do you know the vital importance of understanding your finances? Do you know the impact divorce has on your children and how you can figure out a good custody? And do you know, do you know? So we do all of that practical. We kind of come alongside our clients and support them through the practical. And then in a way that's very different than therapy, we support them through the emotional turmoil. And so when you're in fear and uncertainty, you're triggered. And when you're triggered, you're reactive. And when you're reactive, you're pouring gasoline on a fire that you wish you could put out. So you're mm. doing the opposite of what you want to be doing. And that's an area where we can really support people in noticing their tendencies, their wounds, their 
shortcomings, their judgment, their unforgiveness, and help them to um, to work on those things so that when they emerge, they're the best parent they could be and that they're so much more ready to go out and find a healthy relationship if that's what they want versus the people who don't do any of this work. Mm-hmm. The reason our second and third marriage divorce rate is so high is because people think they're divorcing the problem. And then they go out and they meet the same man or woman in a different body. They go through the first seven years and then bam, why does this keep happening to me? And that's what we're trying to um, avoid. As I listen to you talk, I think, oh man, that must be really rewarding work. But I also think, man, that must be really emotionally draining. And maybe it's being a little too... uh, too much empath in me, but that would be hard to do that every day and to listen to folks going through maybe one of the worst times in their life and and helping them through that. That'd be really difficult. Yeah. You know, I get that question a lot. And it's funny because when I was going through my divorce, I was, my matrimonial attorney was in a 30 or 35 year awesome marriage. And I was like, why in the world do you work with divorcing people? Like we're our sloppiest, most miserable version of ourselves. Like, why would you do that? And then I called him like five years later and I was like, you'll never guess what I decided to do. (laughs) (laughs) In, In my case, because a lot of people are always angry at their matrimonial attorneys. In my case, I... I meet people, each of us on the team, we meet people um, at one of the most scary, sometimes broken, um, chaotic, overwhelming times of their life. And when they say goodbye to us, they're brilliant. Mm. And so one of the things that I love, and I get tears in my eyes even thinking about this, is we have the opportunity to hold hope when they have no hope that they hear us and that they trust us, that we're so certain that your next chapter can be your best chapter and that we can help you get there. And and so there are times where I hang up the phone and I, um, I sit quietly. There's been a few times where I've actually cried after I hung up the phone with some of my cases, but mostly... I hang up the phone and I um, I have so much hope for them. I have so much, no matter how hard the session was, no matter how much they're struggling, even in every session, people are walking away. They have an action plan. They have a new perspective. They're walking away with more encourage, encouragement than they came. And so it's, it is heavy work, um, yeah. but it's just so brilliantly rewarding. Yeah. While I do hope that I I don't have a lot of listeners who need your assistance, Karen, I know I know how common divorce is and and how many folks out there are likely um, struggling with it right now or maybe in the future. So, all that being said, where where can you be found if someone wants to learn more about you or your your business or what you do? Um where where can they do that? Yeah, the company is Journey Beyond Divorce. So all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook are two primaries. 
uh, it's Journey Beyond Divorce. The website is Journey Beyond Divorce. The podcast is Journey Beyond Divorce. Yeah, we got a fellow podcaster in the house. Love that. And I do series. So I have a high net worth, a high conflict, a divorce roadmap. Um, We have um, team talks, which is coaching from the mic. So there's just a tremendous amount for people to get there. Having said all of that, if you hear one thing, hear this. We offer a one-hour free coaching call to anybody who reaches out. It's called a rapid relief call for a reason. Because if you reach out, you need rapid relief, and that's what we're in the business of giving. And so you go to rapidreliefcall.com and book your call today, and one of the coaches will spend an hour on any topic you want to talk about, and you will walk away feeling better. Great service. Yeah. That's wonderful. Do a lot of people take you up on that? Yeah. In fact, most of our calls come from our podcast, my podcast interviews and my podcast. Um, I would say like 90%. And people will say, I, I listened to you on uh, Kelsey's episode and I want a book or I've been listening for a year and a half and now I'm ready for that phone call. So, sure. so so if they listen, that's great. They'll they'll get that value. And when they're ready, they reach out and we meet them wherever they're at. That's great. You're doing yeah. important work, Karen. I think I think you yeah. did find that calling from God eventually, didn't you? I do believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been uh, very insightful, really lovely to speak with. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I would love to leave a uh, a more um, global tip for your listeners. Great. Yeah. So having gone through the 12 step program, I love like little snippets. And so the snippet for today is every upset is a setup for personal work. So regardless of where you are in your relationship with your spouse or your kids or your teens, when you get triggered, Instead of looking out at the person in the circumstance, if you go inward and say, why am I triggered? What is my story? How is the story causing my emotional reaction? You will literally turn all of your upset into treasures of personal growth. And that's really what we do in Journey Beyond Divorce and what we hope for everybody. I love that. It's it's a... Um you know, finding ways to be positive and productive in really difficult times. And that's great. That's great. And it applies to everything, like outside of divorce, outside of parenting, outside of everything. That's just good. That's a good line. Say it one more time. Just that sentence. I like that. Every upset is a setup for personal growth. Really cool. I love it. Nice, Karen. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I, I look forward to watching all the good work that you're doing. Well, Kelsey, thank you. And I just want to say, uh, I've been listening to your podcast. You have such a beautiful range of topics and <laughs> it's so important. You know, there's like, it's so overwhelming to be a parent. So I just want to thank you for what you do and, and all of the wisdom that you share with your listeners because it's, it's vital. Oh, much appreciated. I, I'd like to get credit that it's, it's my wisdom, but Hey, I got, I got the easy part. All I need to do is get people like you on here to make me look good. And so uh, <laughs> it's, it's a good gig I got going. 
So I appreciate it. And to all the listeners, thank you for joining as well. Please tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time. 